This is the AMA Los Angeles Podcast. Welcome to the AMA Los Angeles Podcast. I'm Joel Metzger. This is part three of a three-part podcast with a live panel on content creation and distribution recorded live at the Edmonds headquarters in Santa Monica. The panelists are Natalie Lubensky, CMO, Edmonds.com, Farhana Pargash, Business Development, CAA, Andy Tu, CMO, Defy Media, RJ Kirkland, VP of Regional Sales Business Insider, Shane Mady, Senior Vice President Media Link, and the moderator is Philip Repentish, President AMA Los Angeles. Let's get started and join the discussion already in progress. Anybody have a question for our awesome panel? Gentleman in the back. So you mentioned when we talk about um, content, we use a lot of these kind of um, food metaphors, consuming and long form and short form being snackable or whatnot. Um, to what extent, so if you think of the appetite and you know, developing content for the appetite of your particular audience, what, how is it that you're developing an understanding of what that potential appetite is? Is it a completely exploratory, experimental area that you're just kind of innovating and testing things out? Um, and even when you do that, what, what is helping to really inform uh, your understanding of that client appetite for the content that you're developing? From a short answer perspective, I think from from what we've done from an editorial side was get out there, start doing it, have a plan, a, a thought, and a strategy going into it, and then then be willing to 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 iterate on that and and to to change. Say, oh, that's not not that's not working, and that's how that's how we're going to change. Um, you know, that's some things that we've done, and we've been able to be successful with it. From especially from from an insider perspective, where we've gone from launching it on Facebook and with no advertising um, over now a little over a year and a half, we're doing almost two billion video views, consumed video views per month, with zero um, promotion on that. That's all just just organic, and it didn't start like that. It started like this, and all of a sudden. It started building because we were learning based on the metrics that we were, we were looking for. Um, so you got to have a plan, you got to start, and then you have to be willing to be honest with yourself about how it's working and then make, make those changes to see what resonates with your, with your audience. Because again, you're trying to communicate with your audience. Um, I would say it, it, I've had the experience of like with, with anthropology um, where the brand really knew who the brand was. So they had like this really thick document of who the customer was, who she was, and we would always talk about her. And we knew her like we would know her, our own friend. So we knew what activities she had, um, who she was married to, what she would do, where she would um, vacation, what she would read. And so because we knew this woman so well, we could kind of surmise what, what type of content she would want. Um, at Airbnb, it was a little bit of a different story because it's a travel brand, and you're like, there's so much about travel that you can create. What content does somebody expect from this new young brand? Um, and there's some people in this room that work with me, so they've heard this story a million times, so I'm sorry. Um, but one of the pieces of content when I first got there was there was a, a photo of two um, beach chairs on a beach. And we ran that as content uh, and, and, and marketed that. And when I looked at it, I said, are we Corona or are we like Expedia? Like, what what is this content? And it was like, well, we're, pr we're promoting a generic story on the beach. And I'm like, 
that's not who we're about. We're about like connecting with strangers and you get to see the city in a different way or experience a place a different way than if you would stay in a, a hotel. Not a better way, just a different way. So how do we take those personal experiences and that, that really personal information, like when you stay at a friend's house and they're like, you should go to this cafe down the street. We know that that's what people want from us because that's what they wanted from our host. So we had to really define um, and learn. And, it, and I say this for every company that I've, I've worked with. It takes about three months of testing content to really understand what's resonating and what platforms it's resonating on. Um, at Edmunds, we're a little bit more fortunate because we have a lot of data and we have a, um, a consumer team, that consumer research team, that can give us what people are looking for. So we can see where people are clicking around the, the site and getting lost. And so I can say, oh, they're really looking for this research content or they're really trying to understand pricing or they're trying to do these things. And I can think, okay, I can create the content um, because we're the trusted authority on these topics. So. Yeah, so my question is, if you have a certain fixed budget, how do you decide how much to spend or invest in creating content versus promoting that content on, like, uh, Taboola, Outbrain, Facebook, Twitter, et cetera? How do you decide what's the ideal allocation of a fixed budget between creation and distribution? Um, I think that that is, like, that is a, a question that does not have a, a great formula. Um, meaning, I think it depends on what you're trying to do. I mean. I've worked, these brands that I'm talking about, like Airbnb, I think everybody thinks like I had, you know, unlimited budgets in this whole team. I had a writer and a social media person and no budget to create content when I first arrived. Um, we had actually never had marketing budgets before. And so we were trying to figure out how much can I pay to create video or photography. Like I had no photo budget uh, to talk about travel. Like that's crazy, right? Um, so you have to get really thrifty and there's a lot of really inexpensive ways to create content. Um, so I would say it's, and that's sometimes where influencers actually become really important because if you can pay other people to create better, faster content, um, that might be a way to create it. Um, I think it's when you're trying to figure out how do I get people to see this, um, there's a couple of different ways. If it's really good, useful content, people share, and I say this, having created a, a site pre-social media, pre-YouTube, pre-Google, that got a million visits a day because the content was so good that somebody would like copy the URL and go to like Yahoo Mail and like paste it. Um, so for me, I always think if you focus on the right content, even if it's in a scrappy way, you can focus more on, on the paid distribution because honestly distribution just requires more money, you know, just to get seen on Facebook. If you're starting out, it depends. If you have media budgets, you know, to spend, um, that's great. Yeah, I'd also say very rarely does good money save bad content. And so when you're thinking about, like, hearing that you started with Taboola and Outbrain, I'm like, whoa, let's not go Taboola and Outbrain yet. Like, what are you actually spending? You might have, you talked about Insider, I don't know what your budgets are for content, but I'm guessing in the earlier days especially, it wasn't that much. And so it wasn't like, we're gonna throw a ton of money at this creative and then promote it like crazy. They know they had a product and they built on that and they signed the growth curve. And now they might be in a groove where they need to market that in a different way. But I can think in digital is not as forgiving as places somebody smirked about the movie business, then I won't, you know, that's a great business for other reasons, but there's everybody's gone to a bad movie because you're like, oh man, the trailer for that thing looked awesome. But our content for the most part is our trailer. And so in very rare instances, unless you've got like the best thumbnail, but the worst content that came after it. Um, and, and people, you know, uh, you guys might follow somebody named Casey Neistat who stopped vlogging recently. And he talked about this, this he's like, I'm in the biggest challenge in the world because I get called like a link baiter essentially, but I just, that's part of, getting to my content. So I want to make a really good headline. I want to make a really good thumbnail. I don't want you to 
get tricked because then you stopping watching in the first 20 seconds because that's not what you came for is not a great experience and not good for me in the long term either. But if you guys watch this video that came from a, a creator named Matt Pat. Uh, he runs a channel called The Game Theorist. And it was all about what's happening in the YouTube ecosystem right now. It came out two days ago. And it's incredibly informative and telling. But the take is um, you, you really have to be thinking about getting people in the front door and keeping them there and coming back every day. And for people that are single vlogger type folks, it's a really they've devoted their lives to it. And it's not sustainable, which is why somebody like Casey quit doing it. I mean, he also got his company bought by CNN, which is awesome. But and right. there, I think you've, you've got to you got to still back to your original question. What is the content that you're trying to create first? Uh, if you get that solved, the distribution part should be relatively easy because you'll know where it's going to live to be successful. Um, I don't think I need a microphone in here. Okay. It's fine. Um, in what ways would you guys say that Snapchat is just another platform? And in what ways, as a creation and distribution channel, is it just I would say we have um, a company we work closely with called Indigenous Media, and they released earlier this year the first Snapchat feature. So it was a film and that sort of, you know, Blair Witch style of it was, you know, the influencer and the story unfolds and all of a sudden you realize you're in this narrative and then you could link to the longer form. I believe the longer form version of it lives um, on Vimeo. And the idea is, you know, that's what the audience is coming to, like that's the entry point for the audience. So I think if there's a format that, you know, I think we'll all say that sort of as you age down, the the more snackable the content is, the, you know, sort of it gets consumed more because it's coming in smaller bites. Um, you know, that was a really great way to have a new entry point, but at the end of the day, you're getting to a longer form piece of narrative. So it's not necessarily about, oh, you know, because it's Snapchat, everything has to be vertical and it has to be short, but it's the sort of, that's a new door that you're opening to get people to the content. I think people can utilize Snapchat in any way like any other platform. So whether it's getting to a gateway, right, for long form or creating like DJ Khaled in terms of actually having an audience and content that's, you know, every day, it depends on where that audience is. So. I don't think it's you know mind blowing per se because you've got all these different platforms that have emerged. It's another engagement point um, if you're looking to reach a particular set of audience, and if you've engaged and you're you're nurturing that audience and creating content for that, then it's it's very valuable. And certainly that audience is huge in terms of what they're viewing too. Just go back like I don't know 20 minutes when I was talking about Facebook Live, uh, and I was saying like I, I don't think we figured out yet. I think Snapchat is is one of those things. I mean. I think there's huge value to ephemeral content, um, something that's just living for a little bit. I mean, think about some campaigns or marketing of like, hey, you just saw this, great, now you get a special deal or you can buy this or access to something. I don't think brands really think about ephemeral content for a lot of different reasons. Like we talked about Evergreen before and um, things that need to live and people need to share, but I think there's a lot of value in ephemeral and what does that mean, especially for younger people. Um, what I would say about Snapchat, though, is what was so interesting with Instagram stories is for me to connect with my 15 and 16-year-old nieces, I had to use Snapchat. Uh, so I was like one of the olds on there trying to figure it out and not having any fun, but I could see what my nieces were doing during the day. As soon as Instagram stories happened, which is a platform that a lot of like younger people and millennials just are not on, um, when, when 
Instagram came along and literally just took down Snapchat. I mean, you couldn't do the, the dog faces, but you could do everything else. Um, the teens went over there. And so I saw a lot of people actually kind of like just exit Snapchat. So it's sort of what we were talking before. It's, it's not that it's Snapchat. It's what does it do? And is another platform going to do it better? Because people will move. I mean, I used to use Yahoo Search back in the day, and then Google comes along. So you, you don't want to get too tied up to one platform, but you want to like monitor it. So I say, I'm not sure about you know Facebook Live for our, our brand, but I'm not turning my eyes off of it or not having us test content. Um, but I think Snapchat or ephemeral content is definitely something to be mindful of. I also think the the model around it from a creator and a content distributor standpoint isn't isn't fully matured yet. So I think there's a lot of question marks in the space of saying, you know, for us, we look at the lens of brand audience revenue and does it check all three boxes as a platform? Man, if it does, we're really going to overinvest there. So in the case of YouTube, where we've been on for a long time, great for our brands, really good from an audience standpoint, and we monetize uh, YouTube really effectively. Snapchat doesn't. It checks the audience box all day long. From a brand standpoint, there's a lot of heavier lifting. And from a revenue standpoint, I think everybody lives in a different state. These guys work with publishers who pay Snapchat a lot of money for the right to be one of their Discover channels. That might come back to them in the form of advertising. Right, but it's still new. So it's it's a tricky place to build a full-blown model. And from the creator standpoint, I think, you know, the, I'm going to put this on you since I think CAA packaged the 60 Minutes influencer story, um, which was not great in my eyes as far as what it said about the space because it, to me, played the very old school model. It had all these Viners come on. It's like, they'll watch anything. And that could just seem like such a sideshow novelty act and didn't do any solids to the people that have been adept programmers there for a long time and still felt like this very you know, weird corner sandbox of the content creation ecosystem. So when I, I look at Snapchat in the same way, it's, it's, a, it's a rocket ship, there's a big audience there, but I think we collectively have to figure out what's the model there, other than having the biggest audience in the world for young people to say, are we going to be able to build a big business on top of that business? Um, because without creators, without content companies, I think they're going to be looking back and saying, wow, we really need great content creators, great brands, because that's what people want to come here for. Let's give a, a big hand to our panel. Thank you very much. And once again, let's thank Edmonds. They were great. Thank you. This is your host, Joel Metzger. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the AMA Los Angeles podcast. For more information on the American Marketing Association's Los Angeles chapter and to find out about upcoming events, follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. This podcast was produced by Joel Metzger and Icebox Logic.